Hey, so Jesse, we talk a lot about college on this show. Yeah, we do. And what we actually mean is Avondale University College, where we both got our bachelor degrees in ministry and theology. Yeah. And, you know, that's also where we became buddies and we lived in the dorms. We ate at the calf, walked to class in the sunshine. It was great. It was great. We had late night Maccas runs. We led in worship and uh, we also met some of our closest friends there. Absolutely. Probably one too many late night Maccas runs for me. But, you know, honestly, studying at Avondale was the best. And we're so stoked to say that this episode is sponsored by Avondale University College. Called to make a difference? Called to beat Avondale. Welcome back to Bird in a Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. Absolutely. And today we are going to be chatting all about preaching, sermons, monologues, I don't know, all that jazz. We're going to be talking about talking a lot. (laughs) Talking a lot about talking a lot, which is kind of like podcastception for us. We're preachers, we're podcasters, we are just people who talk a heck of a lot all the time. That's true. And when you think about it, before this episode, we were talking about how we're going to talk about talking a lot. Oh, my goodness. How yeah. how many layers are there? It's insane. It's That's insane. pretty pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, I'm looking forward to the chat. I've got some, we've got some interesting points to share. And basically, we're answering the question. Well, maybe not answering the question, but thinking about the question, <laughs> is the sermon still necessary? We're not... We might not answer the question. But we're definitely going to address the question whilst not conclusively putting our flag <laughs> in the ground and saying this is this is our opinion now and forever. Is that yeah. what you're saying, Josh? We're definitely going to talk for an hour with no resolution at the end. No. <laughs> so it's basically burn the haystack there. That's, that's how we roll. <laughs> Welcome back, family. <laughs> hey, but before we get into it, uh, today's a pretty special day, actually. Uh, Do you know that, Jesse? Today, it's a Monday. Well, it's, as of the day of this recording. Yeah, so that does knock it down a notch. But yeah. uh, the reason today is special is because it's Jesse's birthday right now as we record. Obviously, it won't be his birthday when it, we release it, but right no. now, it's his birthday. Ah, uh, yes, it is. It is the day on which I was birthed into this world. Yes. Yeah, you made it. I made it. I made yeah. it. 28, 28 years. Wow, 28 years, man. 28 years. What a year. What a year it's been so far. What a, my 28th, 27th slash 28th year will forever go down in history is, I don't know, probably one of the worst years in <laughs> world history. <laughs> maybe, I, mean, I don't maybe, know. Maybe not the worst in world history, but, well, you know, maybe in your world's history. That's true. That's true. I was actually, I think you must have seen this on Facebook. It was like the year th- 314 was the apparently the worst year in world history because there was like this uh, volcanic eruption in Iceland, which basically covered all of Europe in ash for like the entire year. And there was like all these diseases and wars. So 2020 has been a bit of a shocker, but I don't think it was bad as... I think it was 314. I should probably double check that. Yeah, I haven't seen that post. I should check that out. That sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
It would be interesting to do like a um, a tier list of like worst years. I mean, obviously you couldn't do all 2020. I mean, we'd have to go AD because like we've got to draw the line somewhere of how far back we're going to go. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, I, I misspoke. Best and worst years. It was year five, three, six. Year five, three, six. Mm. A lot of bad stuff happened. Um, extreme weather events uh, that continue until the following year causing unseasonal weather and crop failures worldwide. Um, wow. So basically the whole world was starving. There were a whole bunch of wars going on, volcanic eruptions in Iceland. Um, yeah, so, so many wars, so it's, much stuff was horrible. You know, it's interesting, right? Right there it's talking about how the whole world was having crop issues and failures. Yeah. But that was before Australia and, Australia and New Zealand were discovered by those people who were probably keeping those records, right? Mm. Yeah. Actually, same with the Americas. Yeah. Yeah. So when they true. say the whole world, they just mean Africa, Europe, Asia. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Which is so weird to think about. Yeah. The world was at one point extremely small. Yeah. Extremely you small. Could, you could technically do the whole thing by foot. Technically. Te- technically. <laughs> yeah, not... <laughs> You, you well, even but. even a large parts of Asia was still, and and probably the vast majority of Africa was undiscovered. You know, like um, back then, it was what the northern part of Africa. You know, Mali, Egypt. Um, right. The rest of it was like the heart of, remember, like the heart of darkness. You know, like the Congo and those jungles. You mm. know? So yeah, they probably saw the desert and were like, yeah, no, nah, we're not going to cross that. There yeah. must be nothing on the other side. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. I wonder if that volcanic eruption affected the, um, you know, like the mm. Aboriginal people in Australia or, you know, like I wonder if they experienced like, because that's pretty far away. Yeah, right? it is. Be- well, well, they do say that there are certain eruptions. Um, I'm just trying to think, was it Mount Vesuvius that was witnessed by the Maori in, uh, in, in New Zealand when it, when it erupted? Wow, really? Or was it Mount... Uh, there was a mount. Uh, there was a volcanic eruption. Uh, maybe it was the one in Indonesia that, like, the entire world witnessed. But it's strange. It is strange to think about how one thing that happened in one place now affects everybody. And yet, this year has been illustrative of the fact that just this one little thing that happened in China, in you know, in this one little market, has now gone on to affect the entire world and every single person living in it to one degree or other it's it's pretty pretty insane the like dominoes that have to fall all in order for that to actually happen it's ridiculous yeah it really is actually now that you think i hadn't put it in that perspective before yeah i mean i think it's a bit different when you think about it from like the point of a volcano because that's a geographic like the the volcano is not going to go anywhere whereas a virus will move with people but it still all started in one spot as far as we understand it, anyway, could be yeah. some new revelations um, later, later on. But and who knows what you know started off the volcano? Could have been completely mm. arbitrary, out of human, um, you know, control, or maybe somebody was digging a pit or something like that, and they struck a nerve, and then, <laughs> and then something. I don't know. <laughs> do volcanoes work like that? Uh, I'm sure they do. I don't know. I'm not a geologist. <laughs> I remember watching a YouTube video ages ago. Of this guy, he's like. He got like a he's a bag of garbage, like a garbage bag, yeah, full of junk from his home, and he just walked up to the side of a volcano and lobbed it in, 
and it started this domino effect because like it went in and then it like breached the surface and melted and then that started bubbling but then the bubbles broke the other part and eventually it just started spewing lava so he I don't know how big it got because the recording ends before like it's getting pretty out of control and then the recording ends so I'm like can you cause a volcanic eruption i mean maybe the volcano was like that's disgusting like <laughs> you know get it out of here i don't know the way that i think about it is like scrat from ice age you know the little squirrel oh. who has a little acorn and he just <laughs> yes. like he's trying to bury it and it just causes this whole chain of events that leads to the next ice age yeah except it's the lava age i don't know yeah the anyway. lava <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. so there you go fam that's the life lesson from this week's episode don't yes. uh, don't mess with volcanoes don't dig acorns yeah, it's just yeah. a bad idea. It's a bad don't, idea. Don't do whatever started COVID nineteen. Sorry, about. Don't need uh, a bat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. happy birthday, Jesse. Thank you. Great to have you on board. Great to be doing this. Great, great, great way to spend on, a birthday. Right? Great to be on the team, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did come across like I was the boss, but I'm really not. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. Um, yeah, so, so today so, we are we're talking all about preaching, right? And it started. You yeah. had a question that you posed to me, and I thought that's a really interesting question. So we said it at the top. Can you just repeat it, and then we'll get into the the actual content. Is the sermon still necessary? Hmm. I think was the question. Yeah. Uh, and I, I asked that question because ages ago in our Facebook uh, group, the Burn the Haystack community group, which you are, if you're listening to this, you are welcome to join. So jump on there, contribute to the discussion because there's actually quite a few episodes that have been birthed out of that group. So, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, and I think I, I think I posted the question, like, what haystacks do you guys want to see burned? Uh, this is ages ago. And yeah. there were heaps of, there were some really cool responses and we did get a bunch of episodes out of that one post. So it was really cool. One of them particularly though, which sort of struck me at the time and I didn't think much of it until way later was somebody said, burn the sermon, I think is what they said. They were like, we don't need it. It doesn't work. And in my head, I'm like, no, I'm a preacher. <laughs> sermons so, no, need we're, me. We're not I, doing that. I need sermons and sermons yeah. need me. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I like sermons. This is, I'm not going to think about this, you know, which was not the right approach at the time, but it was just where I was at. No. And then um, uh, listening to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, their podcast, Sam Lenore and Tim Gillespie, um, and they did this like multi-part series. I was going to say four-part, but I think it might have been six parts. I can't yeah, remember. It just really ballooned. It was cool because they just shared a bunch of stories and it was it was pretty great. It was. It was a really good. Um, and they're two, in my opinion, they're two of the best Adventist preachers, yep. period, you know, yep. like worldwide. I just think they're amazing. Um, there could be better ones, but I haven't heard, you know, I, I, they're my favorites. So um, yep. anyway, they, uh, yeah, and they just shared all about their experiences and Obviously, they're coming at this from a very different... They didn't really tackle this question if the sermon was necessary. Yeah. But they give a lot of really interesting insights into preaching in the Adventist church, especially from a more seasoned and um, world-renowned expertise perspective. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because they, they talk, literally they, get invited all around the world to preach. Yeah. They talked a lot about their process and their philosophy behind preaching, which is all very, very fascinating. Um, but I guess the, the question... I guess if I could think about the question in my own terms, I would not if I was if I was listening to Sam Lenore or Tim Gillespie, I would not be asking the question, should preaching be discontinued? 
should we just cancel preaching? Because they're great preachers. And we've all had this situation where we've sat down in a church pew and we've listened to a a fantastic sermon that's really touched us on on a very deep level, whether you were laughing, you were crying, you were challenged. We've all had that situation. But I would probably argue, unfortunately, um, that isn't probably our every every weekend experience. We're not like challenged, touched, um, stirred emotionally uh, every single weekend. Most of us in our church experience uh, listen to preachers that are probably pretty average, maybe below average. I mean, it's it's just I think sermonizing and public speaking is definitely a gift a gift that can be honed and a gift that can be perfected and well not perfected but definitely bettered and improved over time but i would also say the vast majority of preachers um they're not on the same level as some of the greats so most people are listening to those they're not listening to your tim gillespie's or your Stephen Furtix or your, you know, whoever you you would put in that in that category of a true a great, you know, so yeah, well, I mean that was until this season that we're currently in, which is again this COVID lockdown season. Whenever you're listening to this, we are, uh, you know, the world is still under restrictions all over the place. There's still a lot of churches that are only doing it online, uh, but this has led to a lot of people who are just listening to whichever preacher they feel like on the weekend. So yeah, uh, that's an interesting dynamic now um, that we haven't had before. So it's sort of like a lot of local preachers are still uploading their sermons, but now they're in a more, uh, and for lack of a better term, uh, they're in more direct competition with yeah. other preachers who are, you know, maybe more uh, more up the alley of the their congregation, you know, so... They're sitting, people are sitting down at home and they're like, oh, well, my church is doing something, but the camera quality is really bad. The audio quality doesn't sound really good. I'm just going to watch Hillsong service instead, or I'm just yep. going to watch, I'm just going to watch Mike Todd's hour long sermon, um, <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting as well. Throwing actually. shade there, bro. <laughs> Man, wow. Like I remember when I first, cause you know, I said a lot of hype around Mike Todd and he's got some really cool stuff in the highlights that I've seen. So I was like, I want to watch one of his whole sermon. So then I clicked onto his church's thing. And I was like, oh, wow, an hour and 10 minutes. Sweet. This is going to be like his church's whole service. I can't wait. Nope. It was all sermon. It's just him. All sermon. Yeah. So it's interesting. When we talk about the term sermon, I think maybe, I don't know, many years ago, it probably would have all come under that. Oh, yeah. It's 40 minutes to an hour. That's a sermon. Whereas I think what we see as a sermon now has changed a lot. Like there's a lot more, like I've heard really great 10 minute sermons Yep. and I've heard Really great hour and a half sermons. Um, <laughs> how many? How many really great hour and a half sermons? I can think of one, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so maybe I, I've heard a really great hour and a half sermon. Uh, but yeah, I find them few and far between. I struggle yeah. to actually listen to a sermon for I've an heard, hour and a half. I've heard many hour and a half sermons that could have been five different sermons. Yeah, which I think to myself, why didn't you? Why didn't yeah. you do five? You know, you could have gotten weeks of content out of this. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it that's, did, that's us though. We work smart, not hard, right? Or well, hard and smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, we are we're four years into this full time ministry thing, um, and or almost five years now. And we definitely at the start, I know, you know, both of us, 
when you're first starting out, you're working a lot harder than you than you are working smarter because you just don't have the capacity to be able to quickly put together something that's well thought through, it's mm. executed well and has really good application. Mm. But as you get you know you get into it, you you tend to get better at the the actual craft of it. And I think if we were to revisit this 10, 15 years down the track, we might have different, we, we definitely will have different perspectives on this. But yeah, I feel like in my preaching right now, I'm getting to the point where it's, it's no longer taking me 10 hours just to scrape through the preparation. I, I definitely had to work a lot harder to make sermons at the beginning. Because I think as well, your like we talked about in the Reading the Bible Responsibly series, your understanding of the Bible increases sort of exponentially as you understand one part more. Yep. So I think that plays into sermons as well. The more sermons you do, sort of the more content you've got to preach off. So it's, I think it is easier to stitch together a sermon now, but I'm still trying to, don't always, but I'm still trying to leave more on the cutting room floor than makes it into the sermon. Yeah. Because yep. then that means I'm doing more work. You know what I mean? Like, and that stuff that goes on the floor, just for using that term, um, <laughs> that yep. stuff you leave behind can come in handy for another sermon later on. And I find that pretty true quite constantly. I have like all these pages of notes um, and often very little of it actually makes it into the sermon. But who knows? Maybe later it will come in handy. So I'm still trying to yeah. keep that same work up. But, I mean, you've seen me do it before. I, I can just get up and <laughs> preach with practically yeah. zero prep if I need well, if I need to I try not to but I if I need to well I mean I mean this is perfect like we were just talking before the recording about how this time last year you and I were both preaching team preaching which is something that I've never done before and I've never actually done since um, yeah. a uh, high school tent in South Queensland um, at their at their big camp uh, or camp meeting if you're American and I would agonize hours and hours of manuscript writing out my sermons and then I would be like so what what are you doing and you just had like these these crazy <laughs> crazy insane people notes and then you would get up and preach an incredible sermon off that and I would just be standing there racking my brain going how is this possible I could never do that <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know. well, just... I mean, I I can't write a manuscript though. I would yeah. love to, but I actually can't. It, I don't know what is wrong with my brain, but I can't write a man. I can maybe <laughs> write like a sentence that I'll preach, but it's a struggle. Yeah, yeah. So, see, I'm, uh, I think I'm more of a writer than an actually a deliverer. Like, I could write something, and it would be pretty good. But then, if I was to just wing it and you know, try and try and pro produce something that is homiletically convincing and 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 convicting, and you know, you know, writing by the, the 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 tail of my coat. I would not be able to do that. I just I've done it once. I remember it was last year. Was it last year or the year before? Anyway, I was at my lo my local church, so a little bit lower pressure than mm -hmm. a big event with people I don't know. But it was an anniversary service of our church um, and I had my sermon and just like 10 minutes before I was getting up to preach, I, I felt God say, nah, that you, you, this is not the sermon that you need to preach. Oh, wow. It was on the same, I was in the same ballpark. I was um, preaching from the same passage of scripture. So he didn't, you know, God didn't say, okay, I want you to, you know, preach from 
Hezekiah two sixteen or whatever, yeah. um, which is not a Bible verse that actually exists. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I still went from the same pas- passage of scripture. But for some reason, I got up onto the podium and I I had my scripture and I had a thought, one thought, and I went with that thought and where it led me. And I guess everybody else was completely different from what I intended. So I mm. that's happened once to me, never again. I hope it never happens again because <laughs> it's really stressful. Right. But yeah, have you ever had that experience? You know, I have. I've heard the stories so many times of preachers getting up and feeling there was a whole different place they needed to go with the message. I've only ever had it like my sermon was still the same. My I just landed the plane in a different spot. There was like right. a different... Yeah, it was a sermon about light or something and I had a point that I wanted to drive and then I got there and I, when I was preaching, I knew that wasn't the that wasn't meant to be the end and so it was like God just added another paragraph to my sermon and I landed the plane in the second coming sort of thing, which I wasn't okay. expecting to do and I felt like drawn to this verse and I script, actually had my like, yeah, phone and I quickly flipped to it and I was like, man, that's perfect to end it on. Like I was only thinking, I didn't even know the verse, but I just, yeah, I could feel like I was pointing this thing in Revelation, scrolled there and landed there and people were like, yeah, the feedback I got, everybody was raging about like the, lo- raving, not raging, sorry, <laughs> raving about <laughs> about the last part. They were yeah. like, wow, that yeah. part was so true. And I was like, man, that wasn't even meant to be there. You know, yeah. so that's that's all I've had with that. I haven't had a total direction change. Yeah. yeah. So the sermon, okay. Um, is it necessary in your in your understanding, Josh? What do you think the sermon is trying to achieve? Hmm. That's okay. So that's I find that an interesting question because for me, I have a different like what I would like to see sermons achieve compared to what they actually achieve is pretty different. Okay, I think that's um, where the tension must lie. Yeah, because at the moment, like in. You know, and being a paid pastor and, you know, that sort of thing, we're expected to preach not every week, but most weeks. Um, I think the expectation is at least two to three times in a month. Yeah, which is pretty easy to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, I was, when I was like an associate pastor, it was kind of hard. I was only yeah. preaching like once a month. I was like, man, so many people want it. But then now I'm like all the time. So anyway, yeah, um, yeah I think once you're in our position, the sermon is sort of expected to do a whole lot of things. Um, A lot of people want, like I I see a sermon as a prime time to really encourage my church again Um, because for a lot of people, the church is like a real pick-me-up. You know, they go to church and it really Mm. sets them up for their week. Yeah, yeah. So for me, when I'm preaching now, my goals in the current position I'm in, I'm trying to, Make a sermon that anybody could walk into the room and listen to, whether you're Adventist or not, is something I'm really, I try not to use any Christianese, Adventese, try to just make it really plain and simple that anyone could walk into the room and understand. Um, Don't always hit the mark, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And ultimately, I want people to feel like they leave encouraged and empowered to do whatever God's calling them to do during the week. Um, so very missional, I guess, is where I learned. And I always, I have a huge conviction that every single message I have to share the gospel. Like, and when I say the gospel, like I'm talking the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for yep. our sins. You know what I mean? Like yep. that, I'm 100% convinced that needs to be shared every single message. And so that's what I include it every single time. No matter what the message is about, I'm always coming back to that. Mm. And if I can't make it back to that, my message, it's not 
it's not a good message and it, yeah. you have to keep working until you find a way. Like if I'm speaking about any sort of doctrine or anything or any mm. part of practical scripture, if I can't bring it back to the gospel, I, I don't understand it properly then in my opinion. Yeah. Mm. No, that's a good definition. That's a good definition. Thanks. What about you? Um, prob- uh, look, there's a lot of similarities I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usefulness, helpfulness. Yep. Um, I, I think if I could sum it up, it would probably be the same as you, but if I could use different language, I would say something along the lines of um, every sermon I believe should empower people to have a deeper awareness and equip them better to live as new creations because mm. of Jesus, which is which is the gospel and which is the kingdom. And yep. it's the present and future reality. It's looking towards Jesus' second coming whilst living as citizens in the kingdom right now as new as new humans, you know. I think that's probably the biggest one. And, and as well, you know, there's so many other things. There's social action. Um, there is... Um, deepening relationships with you know the vertical the horizontal um the husband the wife the children friends um mm-hmm. people who are not believers etc equipping people to be that new human whatever the context of their life looks like um so i, th- I i'm a big believer as as are you on, on it being helpful and instructive but not necessarily always theologically instructive and i think that's possibly where maybe our attention lies with a large majority of our church because when i was getting into ministry i was i was told um actually by my dad i was having a conversation with him i I still remember this and i was in my second or third year of ministry at, at avondale or something like that and um he was telling me how we were talking about preaching and he said, you know, just, just so you know, when you become a minister, there is going to be an expectation that you'll preach through the doctrines and that you'll preach through, you know, just to, cause people need to know and people need to be able to have confidence in the teachings of the seventh day Adventist church. So, you right. know, that it's, and I, I don't know that I've, I've necessarily felt that expectation as a whole from the institution perhaps mm. the, the, the administrative institution that oversees our part of the world um i've definitely felt that from church members but only when it pertains to specific points of doctrine that they are passionate about um, yeah. yeah i would agree I would, I would agree yeah um well like i think it's funny i i had I had somebody complain to me, right? Um, and, you know, I'm all for complaints. If it helps everything get better, that's fine. I'm not angry about it or anything. But they were complaining that they said they told me you, you don't preach doctrine. Yeah. And I said, yes, I do. And then they were like, no, you don't. And I'm like, here, let me show you, right? And I said, I do. I just use different language than what you're probably used to. And so then I, I backtracked through like series that I'd done. And, and sermons that I'd done. And I said, here, look, I included the Sabbath in this sermon. There's the Sabbath. I included the health message in this sermon. I included, well, I include the gospel in everyone. I included the Trinity in this sermon. You know what I mean? Like, and I went through and showed a whole lot of different doctrines I'd preached just over that year. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, but you didn't do it in like a, here's a 28 fundamental series. I'm like, 
<laughs> no, because I don't do that. I don't. <laughs> that's not how I work. I work in, uh, yeah, I work differently. Like yeah. I'll do it. It's like, for example, I'll do a series on peace and one of those will be probably on the Sabbath. Yeah, sure. You know what Perfect. I mean? Perfect. And so then I'm like including our doctrines, but into larger connected ideas rather than here are the 28 fundamentals of the Adventist church. You know, that's just not how I work. But I know a lot of preachers do work like that. So yeah. A different different strokes for different folks, but I yep. do think that when people say you don't preach enough doctrine, and I, yeah, I've gotten that complaint as well. Um, not so much at my current church, but certainly at churches that have worked in the past. Um, uh, and, and and what I've often found is that when people say you don't preach enough doctrine, what they really mean is you don't preach the same content as the person that I'm watching on YouTube, whether <laughs> whether that's a conspiracy theorist, somebody who, you know, is really into health or whether they're just all about that Daniel Revelation uh, prophecy stuff. What they don't mean is they don't, they're not saying I want you to preach on the doctrines, whether it be the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of, um, you know, Christ and the and the body of 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 Christ, or you know whatever the ca- the case may be, they want you to preach on a doctrine or mm. a an opinion on a doctrine. Right. Yeah, that's true. Or I want you to preach more like my favorite preacher. That's correct. Which happens from all ends of the spectrum too. Because I'm going to go Absolutely. to church and like, oh, I just wish my pastor was more like Stephen Furtick or something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. which is so unfair on so yeah. many levels. Yeah, because um, you've got one person go to church like, I wish my pastor was more like Doug Batchelor. And yeah. another person like, oh, I wish my pastor was more like Stephen Furtick. Like, how is that pastor meant to function in that sort of space? Yeah. You know, like just yeah. let your let your, the preacher, let them preach, let them be themselves, right? That's Anyway. Have you um, ever been in this situation, Josh, where you have been a guest at a church? Not like a guest speaker, but you're just at, you're visiting a church and you sit down and you listen to the person preaching and then you start critiquing them in your head as a I preacher. I cannot listen to a sermon now without without <laughs> deconstructing it. I can't, you know, which is so unfortunate because I, like Jesse's heard me talk about it before, I think preaching is a beautiful art form. Like yes. I love the art of preaching. And unfortunately, once, you, once you're deep enough in any art, you can't, it's very hard to listen or engage with other art without deconstructing it. Yeah. I still find helpful application from it and can still disconnect from it enough myself to listen to it and just, you know, uh, absorb what they, what they're preaching and that kind of thing and find application and encouragement and all that sort of stuff or doctrine or teaching. Um, but yeah, I can't help but be like, ah, yeah, they're using this or, oh yeah, I see the tactic or, oh, that's from this commentary or that's from that style. You know, like I'm, I can't help it. I love, I love, I I do it because I love it, you know? Yeah. So what about you? Are you the same? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Mm. I think I think my biggest, um, oh, it's not it's not like it, transgression, perhaps, is is <laughs> yeah. getting into that uh, really arrogant f- frame of mind of oh, I can't yeah. believe that they're doing this, or I can't believe they're <laughs> talking about that, or if I was doing this, it would, I would talk about this or that or the other thing. It's just yep. I, I have to catch myself when I do that because I'm like, okay, not every preacher. Is went through a homiletics class, or not every preacher treats sermonizing in the same way that I think about it. Yeah, that's um, true. So it's it's yeah, it's tough for me. Unfortunately, unfortunately, 
I have found that at least in our church tradition, a lot of the time when lay people get up to preach, and this is not true of every lay person, but non 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 pastors or non you know ministry people, the 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 platform of preaching becomes more of a platform of sharing my own views or my own opinion on certain things, which I think is very dangerous. And I'm not I'm not insinuating that pastors are not guilty of this, um, because definitely they are. But um, the platform of preaching and the sermon is so much more than just you know, oh, I've got people's attention for 30, 20, 20 to 40 minutes or whatever the, the time frame is to share what I think on this particular thing. It, it's it's a very, it's holy ground, I think, in many ways. Yeah. I mean, I've heard some really great lay preachers and there definitely are some really great lay preachers out there. Uh, but unfortunately, there can be some really, because I'm going to be like, oh, this is my chance. I only get to preach once every five years and I've got it. You know, pastor doesn't share enough about this, you know, whatever. So um, anyway, it's always a challenge. But yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I can definitely hear what you're saying. It's definitely, and this is why, this is why I question that, you know, the use of sermons and this is because I don't think it should just be about our own agenda, right? Um, and interestingly enough, you know, people people are pretty quick to point out that like a single half an hour, 40 minute talk is not the most effective teaching method, um, you know? It, and I would say it's interesting because I would agree to a point and this is, this is when you start deconstructing what we want to do with the sermon. Mm. I don't think a sermon is necessarily just for teaching. Um, I think it's also for motivation. It's also for engagement. Um, and as well, these days, there are a lot of really creative things you can do with a sermon too because, you know, if you're filming a sermon, recording a sermon, even just putting it in a podcast, the difference is now people can re-listen to that sermon very easily. So it means that if you're like me and you're like, I'm a, I'm a, I, I learn audibly mm. best um, and generally best like if I'm doing something with my hands and listening, this is why podcasts are really good. Podcasts and audio books are really good for me. Like kinesthetic audible learner, I think is what they call it. Sure, I don't know. I'm sure. not a teacher. So this is why like nowadays you can re-listen to a sermon in a podcast or put it on YouTube or whatever and you can be doing something else around the house. Yeah. And you can take in a lot more of it than you might have on the weekend when you were, you know, looking after your kids the whole time or that yeah. sort of thing or... Um, you know, or maybe your mate next to you kept showing you memes through church, something like that. You know dude, what I mean? Dude, so true. I, I was listening to, you gave me the recommendation, Death in Ice Valley, um, the podcast about the Isdall woman. Yeah. I, I remember listening to that um, and I put it on my Sonos speaker while I was making dinner one night. Yep. It was raining outside. It was getting oh, nice. dark. I was like so immersed in this podcast yeah. to the point where... Um, you know when like it's you go around the house and you close all the the curtains when it gets dark and all that sort of stuff. I was getting creeped out by my dark <laughs> yeah. house, closing all the curtains with it right now. I was like, "Is there going to be a Soviet spy around the corner?" <laughs> you know, I was so into this. It was, it's crazy. Great podcast. Yeah, I, I 
I was driving to the gym one night and it was raining and cold and I put it on just while I was driving and I got about two minutes in. I'm like, no, nah, I can't do it. Put on some music instead. <laughs> I was just too scary. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, crazy. Just too real. But yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, while you're driving. But also uh, nowadays with, you know, I know some pastors, they put their, they get their sermon recorded and then they send it off um, to some sort of website that will make a transcript of it. Yep. And then it goes online so people can read the sermon, which is great for um, those in our community, uh, you know, who might struggle to actually listen to a sermon and mm. read better or if they have um, hearing issues, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, same with like people like Michael Todd, like we were talking about before, they make highlights of their sermons. So, yeah. And this is what I'm trying to learn to do at the moment, um, which I've done a couple of times on Instagram to really great success. You know, I'll take... The way I'm trying to like learn to preach now in a way that um, I'll have a one or two minute snippet from that sermon that I can cut out later and put online just as a video by itself because I know yeah. that part just on its own isolated can work. Yes. So that way, like if we're doing all of these sort of things, you can actually get multiple use out of one talk. Yes. Which is really great. So it means I'm not afraid to put more work into that talk because I know I can get greater usage out of it. And some people as mm. well, they even will pre preach a whole stack of eight part, like an eight part series or something, and then just take all the content they did for that eight part series, turn it into a book. You've got your book, mm. you've done the work. Each one is just a chapter of the book, eight chapters. It's a pretty solid book. It's um, pretty crazy. Like um, the work that goes into that is very significant but um have you ever thought about doing that turning a sermon series into a book yeah yeah i have um i, I just don't think i have an interesting enough sermon series to turn into a book personally <laughs> um and i'm not i'm not super passionate about writing a book at the okay. moment you know like it's not but you know i know you for example your sermon the way your sermons are would probably work much better as a book than mine would it might so. be a little bit of an easier transition into yeah whereas yeah i don't think mine are very um they're based More, on my character a lot, the way I preach. Yeah, I don't think it would come of, across well on paper. Very you know, extreme so of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I remember reading, uh, I don't know, I think it was some, uh, it might have actually been Stephen Furtick. He's come up so much <laughs> in this. I remember reading his book and there were four, I remember like, ugh, I can't remember which book it was, but I remember reading through it, maybe Sun Stands Still, that book. And reading through and then I remember like looking at these chapter like a chapter and I was reading through it and I'm like man I've read this before but I can't have I've uh, never I just bought this book and then I was like oh I listened to this sermon and I read through the chapter and it was mostly the same as a sermon and then I looked <laughs> and I remember I watched that four-part sermon series the next four chapters were that four-part sermon series oh wow and wow. he's turned it into a book that sold like a million copies or whatever so yeah that's the way to do it man yeah get so like that's why I think we could get a lot more use out of, out of our sermons if we, yeah, if we wanted to, rather than just getting up and just. So that's why I'm, I know some people say that it's not the most teaching. The forty-minute message in a room might not be the most effective method, but if we're more creative with it and get more out of it, it could be. It yes. could be incredibly effective because you're allowing the you're allowing someone to go deep into thought to get to get you know a forty-minute talk out of a thought is pretty hard. What do you think about, okay, so let's be real. The majority of preachers would probably never go to those lengths. No, to, no, no, they wouldn't. Yeah. But also probably the majority of preachers are not going to go to the extreme lengths to become a truly great 
preacher. I'm not saying that, and you know, a regular average pastor or a chaplain or somebody in ministry cannot become a, a good preacher, but I do think that there is a a difference between somebody who is a good speaker and somebody who is a truly great speaker. Like that whole ten thousand hours thing. I don't think you can, I don't think you can conjure that up out of out of thin air. Like I think you have to work on that for a long time. Um, so my question then is. Would it be better to listen to a somebody who is, you know, let's let's use a different example, TD Jakes. Would it be better to listen to a TD Jakes sermon series or just a single message or emphasize the local preaching of the word on the same topic? Let's say it's the same topic. It's the same subject matter. Would it be better to just listen to the, the the people who are definitely gifted or is there more of a value in the local person whether they're not as gifted or not you know yeah i don't know i don't know i i i think i think you you should have more value in the local to me personally because if a local community is all listening to that and all going off the same thought and dwelling on the same thought i think you've got more opportunity for life change if that makes sense or community sure. action like sure. it, um that's what i think uh if you're if you if you're just like a lone wolf in your congregation listening to some td jake sermons all the time yeah you might enjoy it and i'm not saying you shouldn't but i don't think you should do it at the cost of your local mm. what do you reckon yeah i, I don't know because i Man, here's my struggle. I yeah. I agree with you in principle, but when I think of people's uh, feedback in terms of what are the sermons that impacted you the most, it's usually some big dog preacher. It's not usually old Joe Blow from Thai Happy or you know somebody <laughs> from <laughs> somebody you know old old Kimmy from Tiawamutu. You know it's somebody it's somebody who's who's a big name and you know who's gifted, um, or you know somebody who's come to a conference or a convention and they've heard them speak and they were just incredible and yeah the ones that seem to make more of an impact tend to be those those really high levelly high leveled skilled preachers but i also wonder if we undervalue the faithful week by week and we don't really recognize the impact because it's more it's more humble perhaps i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure because as well something that a nuance to add to that is when old mate comes and does sermon at a big conference or whatever they're bringing their best from the last yeah. few years of preaching. Here's my three best sermons rolled in, you know. And I, I don't know, not saying like a some random from some random church or whatever out in the middle of nowhere, not saying that they're going to have great sermons from their last three years if they picked the best, that maybe they'd all be horrible. But I don't know. Like there is that added level of excellence coming from they've preached that you would never go to like a, a Hillsong conference or something. Oh, very rarely would you go to a Hillsong conference or something and preach a sermon yeah. that you've never done before. They they are always picking their absolute yeah. best that yeah. they've preached a few times now 
and they're doing it again there because they know it's good and they've had lots of good feedback about it and perfected it by the time they've gotten there, which, yeah. And even when you guest preach yeah, at a church, often... That's true. You know, often I'm taking a sermon that I've done that I knew worked well and I'm doing it somewhere else. So, again... Whereas it, when you're preaching at your local church, that's when you're making the new ones and you're testing ideas and you're, you know what I mean? And you're sometimes on a journey to, <laughs> your, I don't know. Your congregation is almost like your guinea pig. A little bit. Well, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you got to get up and do, well, okay, we don't do 52 sermons a year, but you know, Jeez. you and I as local preachers, what do we do? Probably like 40, maybe 30, 40, somewhere I would in say there? somewhere, for me, it's probably somewhere in the range of 20 to 30, probably. Okay. Yeah, I would put mine in mid thirties to forty. I reckon. Okay. I don't think I preach as much as you do because I have mm. a preaching team of like four other people who do a fair bit of our preaching. Because I, my look, I, I, it's funny. I'm the one who's advocating more for the big dog preachers, but ironically, my church is the exact opposite of that. We, <laughs> we do so mostly funny. like lay preaching and and me and not that many you know guest speakers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, that is. That's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Irony. <laughs> yeah, no, there are a lot of a few months where I'll do three of the three of the four sermons. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yep. not all the time. Like this week, this month, um, I only did two, which is great. Feel so relaxed. Um, so usually for me, it's it's every other month I'll do a series on my own, and then uh, I might do I might schedule in like three of my people to do another. My church is a little bit weird because we don't we don't meet every single week we meet three weeks out of four and so we have a a smaller pressure on uh on on our preaching roster so yeah right that makes sense yeah uh, okay um yeah wait where were we um, <laughs> just a bit no, lost. um okay so 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 the question is should 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 preaching be retired and i don't think our answer would be absolutely yes but i think maybe our answer would be more along the lines of let's refocus as to what preaching should achieve because i think maybe we're a little bit confused collectively as to what preaching exists to do so if we were to recontextualize preaching and, and the other aspect is, I mean, biblically, what is preaching supposed to be for? You know, like when we look at the, the New Testament specifically, I mean, yes, you have like the prophetic preaching and the Old Testament. Um, but most of that seems to be more or less kind of like you guys are really stuffing up. God's going to punish you if you don't straighten yourselves up sort of thing. Um mm. But like if you just look at the New Testament, for instance, most of the preaching that I see is usually evangelistic, you know? Yeah. But I actually, except probably Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's true. Which you could argue is evangelistic because no one was Christian at the time. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is evangelistic actually, but it was a, it was a massive reshift. It wasn't, it wasn't, here's what you already know, let me reestablish it. It was, yeah. well, oh, I don't know. There's also, a lot of nuances to that, actually. The <laughs> sermon on the Mount is unlike any other sermon that you or I would would ever preach. <laughs> Let's no, be if honest. I got up and just read the Sermon on the Mount, people would probably think it was a hor horrible sermon. Yeah, you know, yeah. ironically enough, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. A lot of that New Testament preaching, it was, it wasn't in, doesn't seem to be in like home groups and churches. It was in the marketplace. Yeah. Which for me, like that 
really excites me. Yes. I would love to see preaching shifted to that sort of thing rather than us all gathering together in a building, all of us believers or whatever, and maybe a couple of guests. Um, and then there's a sermon which is supposed to re-solidify what we believe so we can yeah. go back out. I would actually love to see a huge shift in preaching like it's actually too... I would yeah. almost argue, I would almost argue, because there are preachers that do that. You, you've seen street preachers and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's not quite. That's not what I'm necessarily thinking about. But yeah. yeah. Well, no. I think what you're thinking about more is like the marketplace of ideas, right? Like, where's Mm. is there a public place where ideas can be shared, no matter who is the one sharing them, right? Like that seems to be more like. And I actually think that there is a marketplace of ideas, but it's not. It's not it's not the public marketplace. It's not the street anymore. I yeah. think I think it's more like YouTube and podcasting. I think what we're doing is actually probably more in line with what the original intent of preaching is about. I know I'm stretching things it's, a little bit. It's funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good though. Keep going. Well, Keep stretching. YouTube is the marketplace of ideas. You can get anybody from any political, uh, religious, spiritual persuasion. And it's it's a free open marketplace to be able to share whatever idea. Certainly, there is censorship at a certain point, um, mm. and you know we can argue about whether that's good or bad. But I think far and you know, you know, so the especially with COVID, YouTube has become the place. And you know, look, there's Facebook video, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, and you know all that sort of other stuff. Um, but you know these platforms i think definitely enable the sharing the egalitarian sharing of ideas um i think yeah i think that's our new marketplace in a way yeah interesting i i would agree uh and i love uh, i guess another yeah the the difficult part though with youtube and stuff is often christian videos are pushed on christians and not pushed yeah, on yeah yeah, anyway, but that's yeah. another nuance to it, I guess. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, algorithms and stuff very mm. soon. So anyway, that's I think, uh, I think mostly teaser. I think mostly the problem with that is that we have not recognized the opportunity that we have to be able to share ideas in an intelligent and engaging way. And we find it a lot easier. Um, I find it a lot easier to just share stuff for a particular audience that will, you know, resonate with the audience, whether it's Christian content, atheist content, whatever content. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, another, I think another way to see that idea, I actually really love what the way Rob Bell, I think, has transformed mm. the idea of a sermon has been really revolutionary to me. I know not everybody agrees with his ideas. I don't agree with all of his ideas. Um, but... What he does, I mean, he has his podcast, which he's been doing for ages and ages and ages, yeah. which is essentially a sermon every week. Yeah, um, there's no music, there's no intro, there's it's just him literally talking, and then he stops talking, and that's it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's so old school podcasting. I love yeah. it, um, but it's also so fresh all the time. He does interviews and stuff now, but yeah, fresh. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, sorry guys. I did a little um for those little, just listening, I did a little hand sprinkle. Little you know, salt, like I'm sprinkling this yeah, this the salt. Um anyway. But 
also what he does is um, he would go to the Lago in LA yeah. once a month and he would do a sermon there. And that's like a comedy club, yeah. which I think is a great, you know, why aren't we doing more stuff like that? Or like TED Talks. Yeah. How do you, yep. I don't know if you can really infiltrate TED Talks to do a sermon, but you know what I mean? I, that, it's like that kind of idea that you just get up in a public sharing of ideas, yeah. like a university or something like that, or in a comedy club where that's also sharing of ideas because it's just people getting up and doing stand up. If you Definitely. can make a sermon funny, which I work hard to make my sermons funny, so I yeah. hope they're funny enough for a comedy club when people are a little bit, you know, <laughs> a little bit ex- tipsy. Yeah, surely I could be yeah, funny yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, I think, you know, look, I've seen Rob Bell live. And look, I've watched him on YouTube. I've listened to his podcast. Live is another experience. He has command of the room. And he, one of the things that he does so well is he is in tune with where the room's at. And he's in tune with what where people are. Um, and just being in sort of, oh, I'm going to sound so fanboyish, but like being in his presence as he is speaking is is a transformative experience and we when Karina and I saw him in Auckland a few years ago we took um two friends of ours who have never um seen any of his content before maybe they watched Numa when they were kids but that was about it but even they who had no real connection with Rob Bell just left going what was that we just experienced you know well, yeah. so on the one hand I've snoozed through sermons or I've just tuned out I'm on my phone I'm not engaged but on the other hand, having experienced the power of a Rob Bell talk, which is is a sermon, but it's not a sermon in the traditional sense. Like most traditional no. Christians would probably go, ooh, that's a bit, you're going a bit far there, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I get, I get, I understand that. But if that if you were to be in the same room as Rob Bell, listening to him speak and the stories and just the, the ideas and the way he connects with the audience is is just incredible and just shows what a powerful sermon can do it's incredible without him Mm. getting up and down and screaming and shouting and all that sort of stuff that a lot of preachers do to you know hammer home the point sort of thing yeah it's funny actually he has an incredible style of preaching but it is not you know a lot of people would say an incredible style of preaching and they would think about that really super charismatic preacher that's kind of the 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 trend right now with popular preachers yeah and they will literally get up and jump up and down and scream and that kind of thing and rob doesn't do that but he's still he's got poise and elegance but yet it's so it's so powerful it's weird it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's he's one of the people who has perfected the art of the of the monologue. You know what I mean? The, mo- yeah. the professional monologue. Which is yeah. funny. This is preaching comes actually pretty much most mostly come. I mean, in the in the synagogues and stuff, the rabbis used to get up, but that was more of like a scripture reading than a sermon, yep. as far as we understand it. Yeah. Um and then there was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is just its own category. But um the the way we know preaching now really comes from the Greek monologues. Yes. You know, that's the style. And it's a, it was an art form then and I think it's an art form now. I think it's beautiful that the Christian Christians saw that and saw that it would engage people and they it would they would really enjoy, you know, and engage with the intellectual ideas that the Greek philosophers and whatnot would share. And they took that and they said, We're gonna do it, but we're gonna share the idea of Jesus, which yeah. I think is awesome. That's yeah. amazing evangelism. And I would love to see and figure out what what that looks like today whether it is youtube or whether it is finding other 
physical public spaces like comedy clubs or you know what I mean or TED yeah. talks, yeah, satire things. Um, well, I mean, some Christians have definitely infiltrated um, TED talks. I think of Erwin McManus has spoken at TED before, and he's one of our generation's greatest preachers. You know? Yeah, true. Um, and even actually, uh, I mean, he's not really a preacher, but um, uh, wait, what's the guy? Uh, Ma- um, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yes, yes, he yes. is a he's a Christian. Yep. Um, and he does a pretty Christian TED talk too, actually. Talks yeah. about David and Goliath. Yeah. Don't necessarily agree with it, but it's a <laughs> great TED talk and it's definitely getting people to engage with the Bible, which is... Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, maybe there's... Uh, I think there's... And maybe we sh- maybe pastors shouldn't have to be focusing so much on doing a sermon every week for their local church. I, I would much rather preach um, a one sermon a month that I put everything into and really perfect the delivery the the application the illustrations the the exegesis then you know having to look and some people have different um uh, capacities and i think you can definitely work on it but i would much rather yeah one sermon a month that is incredible you know than four sermons a month that are kind of subpar, and I think mm. what I think what we have done in the Christian world is we have kind of, I think we've lost that sense of what you're saying of, of the the sermon as an art form. I think we have kind of made it more um, utilitarian. You know, it's just a vehicle to which I can I that I use to 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 hammer home my point. Whether the point is very virtuous, like you know, I'm wanting people to know about Jesus's love for them and I want them to make a decision to follow him or um, it could be not so virtuous such as I have an opinion on an issue that I really want people to know and so I'm just going to sit there and hammer them for 30 minutes 40 minutes an hour you know I think we've lost the the fact that that vehicle is is beautiful can Mm. be beautiful it can be powerful um, and it's not just a means to an end yeah, and I think um, I know the Adventist style. It's quite a traditional style, but like I, I see it so much when I listen to other preachers. They have just got this straight up intro, three points. Yeah. Each three point has like a story slash illustration, Bible text, proof, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's how we some, were taught. It's how people, we were taught. Yeah, it is how we were taught. And I, I use that style sometimes, but I'm, all, I'm trying to always switch preaching styles because yeah. I don't... I'm trying to like, I don't know. I don't want people. I don't want to be predictable, and I think not every. This is me thinking about the art. I don't think every message is best portrayed through three points. Some are, Agreed. but then some, some like because I'm always trying to think how am I going to get people from A to B right yeah. when I'm doing a sermon, and so it's like maybe that whole thing just needs to be one big story. Or maybe it needs to be three points where you can consecutively get people to that idea. Or maybe it needs to be a, a, a walkthrough exegesis of a passage or I don't know. Yeah. And I would love to see more of that art form explored. But again, if you're doing it every week, it's pretty hard to find the time to, yeah. to do it well. Unless, But it depends as well. I mean, pastors, we're probably more in charge of our own schedule than what we... <laughs> <laughs> what we act like sometimes. We don't like to admit. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes no. Sometimes you're not. But yeah. Um, I don't know if you can prioritize it. Like I, I put a big priority on preaching personally, and yep. this is why for me, I wouldn't want to see the sermon disappear because for me, I think it is an it is an effective art form, but 
um, that's me. Not every not every person is like like you know Jesse. You you've got a very different style to me. I don't know. Are you? Would you class yourself as passionate about preaching? Um. Oh man, that's a hard question. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> I think it depends on where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I, that... I, I love I love the art form of preaching, but look, the last five years have been you know me figuring out my voice and what I'm passionate about in ministry. Um, I think I think preaching is one of those things that is a um, it's a given. You have to you have to preach, and that's that's totally fine. Have I been resentful of that? A little bit, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, there are some weeks where I get up to preach and I feel like I'm the least qualified person to speak on spiritual matters, even though it's my job, it's my vocation to do so. Mm. Um, I have felt like I've been preaching and I really need to be the one who is preached to rather than the one who is doing the preaching. Yeah, well. Um, but that's my own personal journey. Uh but I, I would say, I would say, when I listen to Rob Bell speak, and some of the other, you know, heroes of mine that I think are truly great speakers, then yes, yes, I am. Um, and when I listen to certain people preach in my local churches here in New Zealand or whatever, that kind of dampens my passion for preaching a little bit. <laughs> Not gonna lie, yeah. but yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I see some people will send me a sermon and they'll be like, oh, you know, would love to see more sermons like this. And you're like, that's so not me. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. and um, wear a yeah. suit, Josh. <laughs> Use <laughs> yeah, a clicker, I Josh. <laughs> I can't think of the last time I wore a tie to preach, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I did so for Easter this year, just as kind of oh, for a bit okay. of fun. It was on the video. So I was like, I full on dressed up for our Easter video. Anyway, it was a bit of fun. Yeah. But before that, I cannot think of the last time I wore a suit or tie to preach at all. Um, yeah, and I think... Um, but that's the thing. I think if it'd be cool to see pastors who, if they're not passionate about preaching but they're really good at other areas, if we could make ways that the pastors who are passionate about preaching, they get to spend more time doing it but then pastors who aren't, we're yeah. able to enable them that they don't really have to or maybe very few and far between... Yeah, and like you know, some churches do it. They have heaps of lay preachers, so they don't have to preach very much because they're very open with the congregation that it's not their passion. But not every pastor has that ability, you know. Some churches just don't have any lay preachers. And look, we uh, live in a very fortunate time with technology, and I think we're a little bit scared to use it. But if we were to use technology more to to bring more preaching voices into our churches, I think that could be a really positive thing. I mean, look, heck, we know how many rural churches. When they don't have a preacher, they'll just chuck on a DVD of somebody. I'm not going to name names, but people yeah. who I don't think deserve to be have a platform <laughs> in our churches. You know, like that sort of thing happens all the time. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, next week and the week after and a little bit of the week after, I'm going to be on annual leave. So we have a sermon series coming up in October that I would not have been able to be present for. But instead of leaving my church high and dry... Last week, I pre-recorded a bunch of sermons um, and they're going to be going into our sermon series. I did a series on Jonah. I uh, had a blast writing it and filming it and it's going to be going up. And if people don't like 
my virtual face on the screen, well, they'll just have to deal with that because there's not going to be any other options for them in yeah, October. Well. So I think it, we've, we've got this technology. We definitely, definitely need to leverage it. But, well, yeah, yeah, it'd be cool to see more... Um, yeah, I guess more like, hey, you know, this we're, got, we're in this region of churches. This pastor is super passionate about preaching. Can yeah. we just like broadcast that sermon to all of these churches, you know? So then... Yeah. Me as my part, like say another pastor, I'm really passionate about doing Bible studies. I will take some Bible studies off your hand if it'll help you have more time to put into your sermon. Yes. You know what I mean? And then like I work together be... sort of regionally on that sort of thing. Yeah. There, there was a pastor here in the Manu too, Dr. Lamoni Manu, who is one of the most excellent theologians I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. If I if I could help facilitate him preaching through a series on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Not, I was going to say anything. Uh, you know, I, my, I know my church and any church would absolutely benefit so much from, from, from it. You know, there are yeah. certain people in our areas, in our regions, in our, in our country that are absolute, they are bright sparks. They are people who have, the, have a gift. They have cultivated. They have been really humble with it. And God has really blessed it. And, you know, to give them a platform i think is really would be really really helpful more and more so mm. anyway yeah that is you out of my soapbox <laughs> what do you man we're talking about preaching we're all for soapboxes get back on that thing you got another 40 minutes to go man <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna make this an extra long episode because it's preaching <laughs> and there's two of us so we've got to go for at least two hours yeah yeah that's right that's um, right <laughs> well it's funny i mean i preach 20 to 30 minutes yeah, Max, you know, Same. and Same. if I could do shorter sermons, short 10 minute ones, I'd probably really enjoy that. Yeah, because then uh, it's very, it's you can, you can make it for YouTube really easily. You could just be like, hey, 10, 10 minutes is a great YouTube video length. Totally. So then you could get multiple uses out of it. Anyway, this is me. See, this is what I'm trying to think. Like, how can I get the most bang for yeah. uh, bang for my buck? I guess like I'm just trying to think, how can I take every idea that I'm learning that works and then think, how can I use it in as many ways as possible? that's actually going to help people. But yeah. that's. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a good position to do that because I have an associate pastor who also preaches and you know that yeah. kind of thing and who Lucky helps dog. out with pastoral ministry at my church and yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a really good team, so that's the thing. It's like when everybody in the team is doing their part, but that's another that's another another podcast, I guess. But <laughs> I would say um, to any any um, theology students uh, or new pastors who are just starting out, like not as, not from somebody who has, you know, done 20 years in ministry, but somebody who's done like five years in ministry. I I definitely think figuring out if preaching is your thing earlier rather than later is, is a really good, um, idea. I really have struggled back and forth between that for the last five years. Um, and it's not something, look, there are certain things in our job that we have to do because it's part of our job description. Totally get that. Yeah, but you're always going to have to preach as a pastor, exactly. as a pastor in the Adventist church, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, or almost any church, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, something that if you figure out that this is something that you want to cultivate over time, put the work into it because it will pay dividends um, down the track. If it's something that you just have to do, at least learning the basics of really good delivery. And look, maybe you learn that in your degree. I learned some good stuff in my degree. I don't think that I learned everything that I needed to know from one preaching class in my degree. And uh, I 
learned very early on when I was getting into ministry that I actually my education hadn't ended with my graduation ceremony, but it actually really just just begun. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think every every style and method of preaching, it's like another another arrow in the quiver that you can use. It's a tool you can use. It was at least effective once, you know. Yeah. So that's why it's made the way. So it could always be effective again. So you never know. But I think as well for churches, and if you you know you're a, a couple of church leaders listening to this, and especially if you're planting a church at the moment. Have a real think about if a sermon is actually what your church needs, mm. if it's what is going to be best to put you forward, or if you're looking for discussion, or if you you don't even want to bother, you just want to put on you just want to put on a burn, episode of Burn the Haystack every week, and that's your sermon for the week done and Amen. dusted. Amen. <laughs> it could be. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Or maybe you're going to just tune into another sermon, or you're not going to have a sermon at all. You're just going to be, I don't know. Yeah. This is the th- so this thing was ingrained that a church gathering needs a talk. Yeah. That I can't even right. imagine what you would do if you didn't. Maybe <laughs> maybe you're just gonna sing. Maybe you're just gonna pray together and that's it. Maybe yeah. you're just gonna eat and pray together and do a I don't know something else. Yeah. Um. But it's it's worth the discussion because a lot of time goes in like a lot of a pastor's time goes into a sermon. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So if you're gonna get a pastor and if you got that's what I don't know it's just, it's all worth thinking about and working out what's actually best for your church, not just, hey, we're church, we need sermons. Yeah. Yeah. So we would love to hear uh, what you think about about sermonizing. No doubt if you are a regular churchgoer, um, a a member or a, a pastor, you probably have some very, very strong opinions on preaching one way or the other. Uh, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email or... Um, post on our Facebook group and we can have a good old discussion about it, a good old dialogue. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Yeah, we'd love to take this conversation further. Um, but yeah, where uh, do people, where can people find us if they want to learn more about us, Josh? Of course, the best place to find all things Burn the Haystack is burnthehaystack.org. Fantastic. Everything, merch, link to our socials, a way to contact us on there. So just hit it up. Great place to be. Awesome. Uh, and if this is your first time uh, or you are not yet subscribed to Burn the Haystack, please smash that subscribe button wherever you are <laughs> on uh, iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts or YouTube or whatever um, and you'll get this in your inbox every single week. And yeah, you get an hour-long sermon straight into your inbox sermon. every week from two pastors, not <laughs> just one, two. We are, we are really condensing, you know. We're doing you a favor by condensing what could be a lot longer into a really time-sensitive package, I say, as I prattle on and on and on. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could talk about this subject for probably another three hours and yeah, be fine. Sure uh, okay, so anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, that's us. That's everything, right? We're done. That's it. That's it. Thank you guys very much, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah, keep preaching. That's Josh and Jesse out.